Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 96. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he has not seen. This week, we watched the 1982 movie, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. So, Charles, tell us about E.T. Okay, so E.T. is an alien who gets marooned on Earth. A little kid <clears throat> named Elliot finds him in his backyard, takes him in, cares for him and tries to figure out what E.T.'s trying to do or what he's all about. Uh, eventually, E.T. learns how to speak a little bit of English and uh, tells them that he wants to phone home. So they help E.T. construct a contraption to go out into the woods and uh, signal back home that uh, he's stuck on Earth and he needs a ride. E.T. gets sick and the government takes over um, Elliot's house. Um, they try to resuscitate E.T., but they fail. But Elliot tells E.T.'s dead body uh, how much he loves him, and E.T. wakes back up again and realizes that his Uber ride has finally arrived. And so they race across the city and escape the government uh, to get E.T. his ride back home. And he does. He gets on the ship. And he, he gets on the home. ship. They make a little rainbow. He goes home. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is your pick. Uh, Craftsman will bright E.T. the extraterrestrial. I mean, this is, this is up there as like one of the greatest films of all time, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people would probably call this their favorite Spielberg, and that's not unreasonable. <laughs> it's great. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like considered one of the greats, and I <coughs> I enjoyed it on this watch there. Yeah. I thought, I don't know, what was your reaction to it, Charles? Yeah, I thought it was very easy to like. Uh, it was a very that's fun true. movie. It, I would it, describe the movie as magical, even. Yeah, yeah, like, it hits all the right spots, I think. I just yeah. love that kind of movie where like you kind of form a bond with the characters, right? And this movie is very successful at doing that. Yeah, and this it's Spielberg at the height of his powers, right? Like he is, there, there are so many good choices in this movie, so many subtle things that pay off really well in ways that you might not even realize in the moment of, of watching it. Like it's just such a masterclass. Um, in, in directing and framing and the, like his use of light and shadow is really interesting as well um, just one of the one of our greats doing some of his greatest work yeah. I remember not loving this movie as a kid really it's mm. a kid's movie it's for yeah, you I know I found E.T. to be a little disturbing <laughs> I, I actually it's a little it's a little weird looking he's kind of gross yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I watched this for the first time when I was very young like this is this movie might be one of my earliest movie memories period hmm. and it's also the first time I remember ever being scared by a movie oh. when when he, he pops up like out of the cornfield or whatever yeah <laughs> like that like that's I was, and when he's sick later yeah that's like oh yeah that really was gruesome I did not unsettling. expect that yeah, well, and it's yeah. one of the moments most commonly cited to, for making children cry is when, when E.T. Is like dies. <laughs> like apparently there was not a dry eye in the house when that was originally aired or you know, screened. That one I didn't find as affecting the summer because obviously I knew like he lives. Yeah, but, you're, you're um, a grown up. When, they're, when, when uh, Elliot first takes off on the bike with E.T., yeah. I found that like very affecting this time yeah. around. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, I knew what was going to happen. I was still like, wow, this is like, this is real. Really, what movies are for? And it's so iconic, right? Like it's <coughs> it's this moment that we you still have that like as that intro logo for whatever company Amblin. it is. Amblin, Amblin, yes, of course. Um, and 
so you see it everywhere, but then yeah. like you see it in context and you see it like within this movie that becomes so special, right? Like, I forgot yeah. the sun version of that too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is which, also cool. With the five kids? Yeah. Looks like Apocalypse I've never now. seen that one. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. That is also really cool. Yeah. I, yeah, it was so like, wow, that's like such an amazing moment. Right, in a movie. In, in film, film in general. Yeah. Like, period. <laughs> um, it's, so, it's so impossible, but then it's like done so well. It's just like. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. feel constructed. And it's right? like, what if you could fly, right? That's that's what they're like, like doing. This. Yeah. Although, why you're are they still pedaling? Make you fly. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that well, it's noticeable. like when you hold the dog up, right, in the air, and they keep they keep pedaling their paws. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of like you, you could go scene by scene in this movie and just talk about like everything that works well because there, there are so many things. But so so I guess let's start at the beginning, right? Like that. The big, the cold open for this movie is brilliant. It's it it's so well done that it, like it, there's no dialogue for a good five minutes, right? That it sets up exactly like how these characters move about and like what they're after. Amazingly, yeah. they avoid the film trope of the spaceship or meteor entering their Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> it's just there already. Instead, well, and I think that's <laughs> like, an important. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, yeah. like in all the like Predator movies and that kind mm-hmm. of thing does that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's literally grounded in the fact that they like they start on the ground. Yes, <laughs> but it's still apparent like what's happening, right? Yeah, like, it looks like a spaceship. They look, look like aliens. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like it's yeah. immediately you know apparent. what happened. They had to have gotten yeah. here from somewhere. And there's no like earlier this year. Like, <laughs> right. There's not none of that. Right. And there, yeah. and there's no hierarchy to their ship, right? Because the first time you see them is not like them marching down the aisle or anything. Like they're gathering like roots and berries from the forest yeah they're botanists <laughs> right it, it, i think they're vegetarian i i forgot this scene too where they go on the ship yeah and you see like the other things that they've collected yeah and i don't i don't know if that was like an added scene because i didn't remember that from the original Actually, I'm, I'm not sure if i remember seeing that scene yeah that may be added to whatever where did Ooh, you watch it from i watched it on hbo i also watched it on hbo Okay, maybe I just missed it. So they, they show a scene in the ship, and there's, like, uh-huh. all this, like, alien vegetation. There's, like, mushrooms that are glowing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I do remember Some what other stuff. I still don't remember it, but... It's very, the very beginning of the movie. And, like, one oh, of the okay. mushrooms, like, has a mouth? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I didn't remember that at all, but I was like, I really like this scene, because what it does is, it like, it, it literally, like, opens up the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, we see all the other things and places that they've been to and collected... Right, here, yeah. and it makes it like, oh, there's like all this like other. They're stuff just the that's extremely friendly version of that like roving alien race that takes what they want from every planet, right? Right. Yeah, all all, all they want is plants. Day. Yeah. All yeah. they want is a few plants. Well, and they're yeah. just sampling, right? They're scientists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. So, uh, from the aliens' perspective, like the aliens that leave and leave the ET character behind. Yeah. The movie is. The Martian, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what's going He's on? He's still alive. He's still, still there. Alive. We got a message. We got to turn around. Weirdo yeah, contraption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what's going on there for them. Um, <laughs> and they came back. It worked. Um, there, so, but there are so many things in this movie like that that kind of yeah. like open up the world in like really interesting ways. Like the whole like government agency. 
where there's like there's no explanation of like, well, this is an offshoot of NASA, and they were like in Roswell, and it's like yeah, yeah. totally avoids that. All all you see is just like just some government guys and like their crazy weird suits and stuff. Yeah, I think it's because this movie is is very specifically meant to be told from a child's perspective, right? Like, it's famously yeah. used as a lot of low angles, so you're li- literally at a child's eye level throughout yeah. the film. I noticed that the entire first half of the movie, every adult except yep. the character's mother, you only see them from waist level and you never see their face. Yeah, you yeah, you never you never see their face, and the one you see other than the mother is the one, like, government doctor or whatever who shows a little bit of empathy for Elliot. The man with the keys. Yes. Yeah, he like he finally has this moment where he tries to connect as a person. Yeah, and like that's when you that's when he gets a face. That's when you're allowed to have some sort of uh, personally identifying features. And they set that character up so well too. Yeah. Like they show him in the very you just see the keys on mm-hmm. the on the belt yep. in like the early scenes, and then you see him later again, and like they kind of build up to like, oh, they're figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's so Spielberg, right? Because he's such a visual director, and he, he understands how to communicate these visual, this visual information and these visual yep. motifs over the course of time such that it just becomes shorthand within his film by the time it needs to pay off. Yeah. And it, it's so well planned in that respect, right? That he knows that he needs to start doing it from the very first scene so mm-hmm. that in an hour and a half, when we actually meet this guy, we know who he is and like what he's been doing this whole movie and he do it all without any dialogue. You do it all just with the camera. It's incredible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, that that's why he's so masterful, right? Um, and you see the same effect um, with with his use of lighting early in the film, right? And so it's a heavily shadowed film early on. You have a lot of backlighting to like wash out features, right? So you can't. There's a lot of moments where you can't see faces. You can't see, including our main characters like Elliot and E.T. A lot of moments with just flashlights. Right. Yeah. Same kind of thing. And what it does is it makes them just silhouettes. But you see their features more, and they see each other's features more once they start becoming closer together, yeah. right? Like once they start empathizing with one another, because this is really a movie about empathy. Like that's when, again, they get a face, right? Like that's when they get yeah. person. That's when you become a person when you connect with other people. We only we only become individuals when we have groups, and it's the, it, it's all community. Like they they never come out and state that, right? Like there's never a moment where someone comes along and it's like, yes, Elliot has this connection with ET, and they can feel each other's <laughs> feelings, and because of that. They, they understand what love is or anything. It's just like <laughs> you see it visually, right? Like it's yeah. just all communicated with with the camera. Yeah. And the fact that like the driving thing behind, it's like it's really a movie about like friendship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like, so wholesome. It's a buddy movie. I know, but it's so like complex without like just being about friendship. Too. Right. Yeah. It, like you see like the beginning of the, like the after the cold open with E.T. where he gets stranded, like, you have him and his buddies hanging out playing D&D, apparently. And, like, yeah. they're all really mean to Elliot, right? Like, they're a bunch of, like, just assholes to him. And it takes E.T. to come along, realize that they have common ground, that they can have empathy with one another, and that they can help. They're like, very simple, like, wholesome moral lessons yeah. communicated very crisply and, and yeah. evenly. And I think in a lesser <laughs> film, like, you wouldn't have... The young kids, like the older kids, wouldn't feel bad for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. Like the older kids would just like always be positioned as like the bullies, right? The so film. they become obstacles, right? And, right, and, and and that become objectified. Yeah, right. But Where, here they could be. But in people. this film, it's like once they he's able to convince his brother that ET exists, which doesn't take that long. Yeah, yeah. He's on board. Yeah, 
And mm. same with the much younger sister. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that's like, that still defies like, I can't think of like other films where that happens. I can't. Like, um, yeah. Because the movie I was reminded of most watching E.T. this time around was Paddington. This, <laughs> this is Paddington, right? It's about... Uh, it's a little grosser Paddington. Yes, it's, a, it's about a visitor, an immigrant, right? Like it's an immigrant story comes to a family that has kind of dysfunctions and problems connecting with one another, teaches them how to love, needs help because some outside source wants to exploit him because he's different, and the family comes together or the group of friends comes together because they have learned these lessons about empathy and kindness and cultural exchange mm -hmm. from the immigrant visitor, and they rescue him, right? That it's, E.T. and Paddington have the same plot, basically. <laughs> and Although Paddington stays, right? Paddington stays for Paddington too when he goes to jail. Um, and, oh teaches, and teaches the prisoners basically all the same lessons. <laughs> and then they break out of jail. <laughs> it's, a, it's about the, the prison state. And, and also cultural exchange. Um, so yeah, I was reminded very clearly of Paddington. Um, especially insofar as E.T. Is, is a movie about immigrants. And how we treat or mistreat them. And I think it's hard to not read it that way in 2018. Uh, since that's so much of what our cultural conversation is about. Spielberg did say that he was interested in like world peace like he sees this as like a pro world peace movie i hear that yeah i mean because yeah. i mean that's what et is talking about the whole time right yeah he's like making plants grow and like making other people literally feel the thing he's feeling which is what empathy is yeah um so yeah that makes perfect sense to me i think he does it yeah um, and i mean you, you even see that in some of his other work too right like like we watched munich my favorite spielberg movie and yeah, it's a I keep forgetting that's a Spielberg movie. Because he's fucking talented and he can do whatever <laughs> he wants, yeah. Um, so, like, even that movie is about, like, finding your space in the world, right? And it does it from an, a much more adult perspective, obviously, but in a sense, it's, like, sending a similar message. Yeah, Close Encounters kind of plays with that, too. Right, M which is closer to, like, the adult version of E.T. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that's, I like that movie a lot. Yeah. That's really This, cool. like, was kind of... So this followed Close Encounters. Mm -hmm. And I think the studio had wanted him to do like a sequel for Close Encounters. That would make sense to me. Closer. Close Encounters, Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he like apparently Spielberg wrote this like horror movie called Night Skies, which like, or he, he worked with somebody who had this okay. other horror movie called Night Skies, which was about like an alien invasion. Hmm. And then that idea like eventually became E.T. That's a lot. This, you gotta change yeah. a lot for that. Well, it still worked on me when I saw this when I was like five as a horror movie. So yeah, <laughs> so there's that. Same, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember actually avoiding ET after seeing it. Right. For, yeah. So this is the first time I watched it in a while. He's very gross. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is like yeah. that might have kept me away from the movie a little bit. But I mean, yeah. the, the puppet they use is fantastic. Like the effect. Is it's impressive. It's done. a mix of like puppets and then like little people in costumes. R and right. Like the. The, whatever collective of special effects I actually thought I saw use. a picture of it was actually just like a normal sized dude in a costume but like half of them was below the floor no so they had someone who like congenitally was like born without legs okay and that was one of the actors that oh. played E.T. and then they had like a couple of little people play mm -hmm. E.T. and then for the scenes with he's like stationary he's like an animatronic effect and they actually like built this the stages on stilts so they could run all the yeah. electronics up into the puppet. Um, huh. And then they also had, 
a version where the arms are more like pre prehensile or whatever, and they had a mime like uh, do the arm work for it. Huh. So they like created these long gloves for the mime to wear, and she like did all the arm work. Weird. So when you see like just his hands, that's like a mime like lying on the floor and like reaching up <laughs> around this like puppet. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So they did a lot of work to like make ET come to life. I think it pays off. It has pretty to. well. Like the movie, yeah. if, if you're not able to like care about ET, this movie falls apart. Right? Yeah. Like it doesn't work. Apparently, they just told Drew Barrymore, who was like six at the time, he's real. <laughs> <laughs> and she like <laughs> believed it. So like when well, he's sex. when he's like dying at the end, she he's, like, like flipping out. She was like actually like upset. That's. Uh, yeah. I wonder when Which she found out. Which is kind of messed up. Yes, yeah. it is pretty messed up. Well, when, what, when she, that's like the opposite of The Shining, right? Where they told the kid that wasn't a horror movie, it's just a regular yeah, movie. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, this is actually horrifying for yeah. you, Drew Barrymore, and nobody else. Drew Barrymore did a fantastic job in this. She was movie. great. She's yeah. gotta be like one of the best young kid act- actresses I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's, it's not surprising that she became such a big deal in the nineties, yeah. right? Because she was really really good here. Yeah. So is uh, the guy that plays Elliot, who's still acting. Yes, all the performances are strong. Yeah, like, but especially the kids. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I was, yeah. I was impressed this time around with Drew Barrymore, with um, yeah. Henry, whatever his name is, that plays Elliot. He's in the new Netflix series about that like haunted house. Oh, really? I've heard that's good. He's in it. Cool. So I'm he's still see acting. Okay. Cool. Have you have you seen the YouTube clip of his audition for ET? No. No, but I read it's, about it. It's <clears throat> insane. Why? Because they were like. They were like, all right, pretend you have, like, an alien friend, and the government's <laughs> trying to take him away from you. And the Shit. he just, like, goes into it. He's so upset by it. He starts crying in the audition. Okay. And it's incredible. And okay. then at the end, Spielberg is just like, okay, kid, you got the part. <laughs> he just, like, he's, like, so flabbergasted about, like, wow. the performance that he just saw. He just gave it to him on the spot. He just gave it to him right there. And there's video of this. There's video of it. Yeah. Okay, you should watch it. It's it's yeah, like it his performance in the audition is like affecting. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I had no idea that that was a thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, wow. Because yeah, he is fantastic here. And yeah. He, yeah. And I think we've seen enough like kind of medium or not good good performances that y- this stands out so starkly. Yeah. Like ag- it's very those. easy for them to be annoying. Yes. Yeah. It, especially Drew Barrymore, right? Like the yeah, young kid, the, like the really young ones. kid. Like it's. For that to be like a cloying performance or an obnoxious performance, right. and but it's she's not. just like incredibly cute. Yeah, and, like and funny, right? Very and she funny. has like a little edge to her, and like yeah. it works. Even the kind of like dorky older brother, yeah, is like really, like endearing here, right? Because he yeah. comes, he gets knocked down a peg like pretty early on. Yeah, right. And and part of that is just like Elliot gets to come to him with with knowledge. Yeah, and he has like preteen teeth that are like too big for <laughs> him. And He's like, kind of gangly and weird yeah. looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that phase of life. Which is, yeah, which is just what you look like when you're that age. But. Yeah, and he, like, doesn't know how to drive, but he, like, you know, he's, like, trying to figure it out as a preteen. Yeah, yeah. Kid, kids driving is always funny to me. It's, yeah. I, I don't know why that is. I'm only driven backwards. He's only driven backwards. That, yeah, it's so great. Yeah. yeah, and, like, he drives off the driveway and realizes he can't do that and pulls back up onto the driveway. Yeah. Or later when they're moving the van. The great action sequence where the tube is, like, being yeah. dragged yes. behind. And, yeah. like, it, it's so wonderfully communicated because you see, like, 
Elliot like taking the pegs yep. out, and you like, like ooh, what's this? They're just like building the tension where the guys like getting closer and closer yeah. and like pulling the pegs. Got a few more pegs like, to pull. Right. Like, yeah. they even have a split second moment where the guy is holding the last peg in his hand and looking at it, and then the shoot goes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, that works. That that whole chase sequence is pretty good. Like once they get on the bikes, and he has to like go up that hill and past the cop cars or whatever chasing them. Yeah. Really, yeah. Well, really well done. I'm sure it was shot like very slow. Like, yeah. But it feels like fast. Like they're, you know, there's a the car next to the bikes and they're like. And they're biking they're, on this rough terrain. They're very good at this. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're talented bikers. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever actually did these, yeah. these stunts. Um, speaking of which, can we talk about the setting? Like, so this is Eastern California, I guess. It was either and, like Far East California or like Nevada. And it looked like a town that was like in the process of being built. Yeah. Right, like there's all these dirt fields everywhere and like yeah. very flat landscaping. There's, there was visible construction. Uh, right, throughout the movie. And so like, everything feels like impossible about the setting. Yeah. But also like very American. So it's like very suburban. Yeah. There's a cornfield behind Elliot's <laughs> Right, like what the hell house. is that? Are they farmers? But then they're also <laughs> in a suburban development. Yep. Uh, and then there's also a woods. Like yeah, I was forest. very confused that they were in biking distance of the like, a Pacific Northwest forest or a redwood <laughs> just, forest. They just biked to Oregon. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're in like the desert. Yeah. So yeah, I had to like research this because okay, like I, so I, I, like, I recognize things. Yeah, but here. not together. Yeah, but not together. So yeah, so they apparently the house, the exteriors of the house are shot in LA, in northern LA, in the valley. Okay. Um. Which makes sense, because it's, like, on the edge of these mountains. Right, and there's, like, cul-de-sacs all over. And, right, yeah. and so it's, like, it is on, like, you do in L.A. have this, like, suburb that runs up to the mountains, and then yep. suddenly it's just, like, a wild mm. mountain, mountain, like, off into the desert. Right. Um, they shot up in the Redwood forests for the forest scenes. Mm -hmm. Look just like Endor, because it's the exact same <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. And then all the interiors are shot at Culver Studios. Okay. Yeah. So that explains it. It doesn't look like a real place because there's no way that yeah, this place Yeah, they just cobbled this together. But yeah. I think the, the use of corn specifically is meant to make it feel like middle America. Right, because whenever yeah. I see... Where all the alien abductions happen. Yes. Yeah. It, it reminds me of Field of Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, of course... Because there's like a fake cornfield that's like behind right. the house. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I think you're you're right that that's what's going on there. It's just supposed to feel like every town. Yeah, I guess that it's like the Night Sky is the movie that... What, like idea that preceded this okay was loosely based on this event where this family like freaked out and thought like all these like gremlin aliens were like attacking them <laughs> and that was like somewhere in the mid like in a farm setting right and like the corn is like signifying that mm. okay um, there we go I read about that that was like wacky <laughs> apparently what happened was they think what happened was it was like horned owls, like really, like attack this family. <laughs> well, those are aggressive, so that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and this family just thought it was like aliens, and like they just saw them as like gremlins. They just jumped to aliens. Yeah, so they had like a shootout with like horned owls, <laughs> <laughs> and then they like went to the police in the middle of the night, or like we were just attacked by aliens. Did they not pick up on the hooting <laughs> or the wings or anything? I don't That's know. Why? And don't you read about it. It's like a like a known like alien event in, like wow. within like That's UFO crazy. circles. Huh. It, or, like it has a name. Horned owls usually travel alone, right? I don't know. Apparently, they're like very territorial, and they were like attacking Fighting. this family because wow. they were like had their nests disturbed or something. Huh. And the 
family like didn't see it well or something or it like, was under the influence or something. And, like, <laughs> and they said, I'm going to fire our guns. In my they head. said, we're being attacked by gremlins. <laughs> gremlins, that's the word they use? Yeah, because they have like little horned... Right, it's yeah, horned like, ear like structures. So. Wow, these people are dumb. You should read it. It's kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I kind of wish like Night Skies was the movie because <laughs> I want to see the movie about the family getting attacked by all the owls. <laughs> that too, right? Yeah. But that would be great. Like a family, a movie about people that think it's an alien abduction and like respond stupidly to it. And it's there kind of is that movie, um, Fire in the Sky. Okay, that's also based on like a true, a quote unquote true like alien abduction. <clears throat> I haven't seen it. That one's about it. Um, that one's set in Utah, and. Well, every, everyone in the film is like Mormon and so it's interesting because it's like about like faith versus like what you experienced and sure. like okay. do you trust people when they say they experienced something right. and it's like familial mm. that's interesting okay that sounds good actually. but I do want to see the Horned Owl attack <laughs> the Horned Owl movie, <laughs> movie. <laughs> that sounds like a cone movie or something it, yes. yes yes that would be amazing yeah let's let's get them on Perfect. the horn um, um. <laughs> speaking of like wild things for me the wildest sequence in this movie is when E.T. gets Elliot drunk in the middle of school, that cracked yes. me up so hard. Right. E.T. starts like hammering down the cores as <laughs> he gets drunk, right? him. <laughs> and and then Elliot like gives this like drunk, flirty look at the girl <laughs> right. in the class, yeah. and it's like the perfect look. <laughs> it's like the exact right and he's, one. He's, he's, he's so such a fucking lightweight. He's literally under the desk after two cores lights. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And well, they, he's a kid. Yeah. They free all the frogs. They too. free all the. There are so yeah. many frogs. Yeah. Were, like, I didn't realize like, they had so many. It looks like, like there were like fifty frogs. Yeah, there. I know, right. There's like twenty kids in that class. Yeah. There's like, no way they needed that many. But what frogs. I was disturbed by is, did they really do this in classrooms? Did they really chloroform frogs? And then dissect them still alive. Wow. Not in my classroom. Fucked up. We got dead frogs. Yeah, I got yeah. some. I got like a dead worm. I right, don't know we did, if I did a too. frog. We did a rat. I yeah. would imagine this is at least loosely based on a true experience. That, that's so it's messed like, up. The that is whole messed up. movie is like autobiographical, like all Spielberg films. Right. For Spielberg, like. I've, yeah. yeah, I'd never encountered that before seeing this movie or since. Because um, that is fucked up. He's like <laughs> looking at that cute little frog in the <laughs> jar, and the frog is, knife you the in frog a few is minutes. like, you know, pinning yeah. at the class. And I'm like, I could never do that. I can't kill that frog. I imagine a lot of people would tap out of that one, but it seemed like yeah. every other kid was basically on board <laughs> with yeah. like it's horrifying. live vivisection of this frog. I'm, I'm really glad they freed all the frogs. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. All like hundred of them. There were there were like yeah. a, a lot of frogs there. That must have been for multiple classes. Uh, that's part of like the humanist nature of this movie, yeah. right? Where it's like, you know, all life forms are yeah. sacred. It's right. Like, yeah. Why are you gonna cut these frogs up? We know what a frog looks like on the inside. It doesn't really benefit the students to cut it open. I, you can I, have them all look as one person does it yeah. and save a lot more frogs if you really need the the tactile thing. And uh, whose job is it to like get rid of the frog stuff after? Oh. At the end of class, like that's somebody's job. Do they just dump it in the trash can? Like I don't know. What a waste. What a, what a waste indeed. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like That's when the I think the central theme of the movie about like friendship and empathy really becomes literal, right? Like where, yeah, ET, where yeah. Elliot is literally feeling the exact same thing that E.T. is feeling, right? Yeah. Like, and that's what empathy is. Um, and in so doing, he, become, he empathizes with the frogs, he empathizes yeah. with the people around him. And um, I thought the scene where they mirrored yeah. the classic movie with the girl was like really mm -hmm. cute. Yeah. But when you think about the fact that he's also a little intoxicated, that's a little disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because um, yeah, he that is a scene that might not fly today. Yeah. You're right. Like that one. That one might not work. Uh, and especially because that girl. If you maybe if you maybe cut out the kiss part, it was it was really right. cute. Yeah. Up until that. Um, 
But yeah, especially because we never see that girl again or know her name or anything. Yeah, but she seemed to be into it. Yeah, well, of course it's Spielberg's movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course she is. That scene uh, has a lot of product placement in it. So is the rest of the movie. Yes. The whole movie. The whole movie is Reese's like a, Pieces, am I right? People yes. are still referencing that. So apparently, like, Reese's Pieces sales, like, went off the charts, like, after this movie. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote it down in my notes. Like, whatever Reese's paid for this brand placement, it was worth it. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. enough. I remember, I remember the ad campaigns. It's a plot point in the movie. Like, right. He was... Here are some Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Are, I like them. You also like them. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> likes Reese's Pieces, right? Yeah. Even an alien likes Reese's you, Pieces. You like Reese's Pieces, right, audience? <laughs> There's a ton of, not just Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces is the most notable one because yeah. it's like in the plot. But Coors. The, Coors uh, Coke. They talk about, he's Coke. like, do you want a Coke? Yes. Like more than once. <laughs> yeah. Um, Star Wars toys. There's so many Star Wars references. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he brings up Boba Fett and Lando Calrissian. And Greedo. Like, they go and deep. Greedo, like these yeah. are, In 1982, like, these weren't necessarily huge name that everybody... Empire well, Strikes Back was I think I fresh. read somewhere yeah. that he, like... Spielberg just, like, didn't bother clearing the Star Wars toys. Because <laughs> he's friends with Lucas. With Lucas, yeah. Yeah. And so just, he just, like, put it in. I, just I, just, I still love that this is a post-Star Wars movie that can do that. Uh, it, it makes right. me so happy to see them. The little, the little dude in the Yoda costume. <laughs> yes. Well, and then this comes back in Revenge of the Sith. Where yeah. they have, like, because they, they have, like, the... It was, the in, Phantom, oh, it was, like it was a, in Phantom Menace. Was it Fan- oh, was it Phantom Menace? Okay. There's a brief shot of E.T. The, like, several E.T. aliens in the Senate. Yeah. On Coruscant. Chorus- no. So, <laughs> that means... No. They're just, like, in the corner. They're not, like, prominently shown. <laughs> so, that means that E.T. and Star Wars take place in the same, same universe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when when E.T. So is recognizing is Yoda on the street, yeah. like, that must have been very disorienting for him, right? Like, yeah. he might have known who Lando Calrissian or Boba Fett is. <laughs> well, we know that they're different. They're, it was a, they're it not was contemporaneous. A, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But, like, Yoda's a historical figure, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? That must have been Lucas paying him back for... Oh, yeah. Showing the toys um, oh, in the movie. Definitely, yeah. yeah they're all buddies. Um, yeah. But well, him and Lucas in particular. Like, right, yeah. Those or like BFF. So. Right, so yeah, yeah the, the ET, there are, there's a, because the ET have the little pods where the different aliens yeah. are in the Senate. There's one that's like three or four ET aliens. And they're still naked, <laughs> in, I think. In Phantom Menace. They're still what? They're still naked. They just don't yeah, wear yeah, clothes. Yeah, yeah, they're still. Which makes sense because like the guy who picks up ET is not wearing clothes either. Right, yeah, they're all, it's a nudist colony. Yeah. Um, so yes, this is <laughs> this is all within the same world. Jeez. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know that a little bit. That, that one, I think. I feel like I probably place. did and forgot. Okay. Well, like, now just you'll blacked out. Uh, now you'll never forget it. <laughs> uh, blacked out of rage. Yeah. God. Yeah, that movie was garbage. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. Um, yeah. That's that's all I have to. Yeah. All I want to say about Phantom Menace. Um, uh, there's a lot of like smoke and mist in this yes. movie. <laughs> yes. And like all sorts of things are like have like smoke coming out of them. Like, you know, there's a few scenes that actually yep. look a little strange in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They look a little otherworldly in a way. Like especially mm-hmm. those few scenes when Elliot is in the backyard looking for E.T. <coughs> uh, there's like a kind of weird like dreamlike quality to them. It's It's like when they like put the like stuff over the lens to make everything look foggier. Right. Yeah. There's something like fantastical about it. It's like a, it's like a soap opera art. That used to be a Vaseline. They would just put Vaseline yeah. right on the lens. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, here it's like fog, like a lot of fog machine. Uh, yes. In this movie. Yeah. Like what it, you're right. I think it's most prominent at the beginning. Part of that is just like the mist because you're in, you know, that part of the country, but also. 
the smoke or whatever from their spaceship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's is. supposed to feel like tactile, like, because mm -hmm. you're supposed to, like, you know, feel the chill of the fog, but it, it also, like, envelops and, like, hides things. And, like, I, yeah. I, I think it makes them feel more organic, right? Like, that they're not necessarily, I mean, obviously, they're more advanced from a technological perspective, but that this advancement in technology is not about domination, right? And it's not about weaponry, that, right? That it's about moving around from space to space, yeah. right? Like it's about the spaceship itself and what they're really interested in is the stuff that isn't technologically advanced. They're interested in all these tubers and, yeah. and you know, trees and shit. It gives yeah. off kind of train vibes, right? All yeah. yeah. Billowing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Trains and fog, and, yeah. So I think that that is the, uh, perhaps the intent or part, part of the intent of that. Yeah. Um, is to give it kind of this naturalist feel. Um, and I think that's successful. Sure, it's just it's reminiscent of Jaws too, because they use like a lot of fog in Jaws mm -hmm. to like obscure things, make things feel creepy. Right. Well, and yeah. it's that's an interesting parallel because it, it's used to such different effects. Not really though, because it's meant to like obscure. Right, right, but it's not meant to be like it. it it's in Jaws, it's obscure to scare you, whereas here, I don't think that's the point. It's it, it's supposed to intrigue you. Right, yeah. like you're you're mm -hmm. supposed to want to know more about it, right? Like, yeah. what are these guys up to? What are, what Although, when we see the fog in Jaws, it's when they're trying to like figure out what Jaws is, because he jumps into the water, right. and, and they're it, looking for Jaws, and it's scary, right? And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also like a moment of like endeavor, right? Yeah, where That's, it's, yeah, yeah. Because when we finally see Jaws, we just see Jaws, right? It's he's a big yeah. shark. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that is true. But um, yeah. I think it's it's interesting when film can use the same technique or very similar techniques to very different ends. Yeah. And I think that's what's, uh, that might be a good example of, of that effect. Yeah. Um, what do we think, so there's like two adult characters in this movie, one of them's the mom. What do we think about the mom? She's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's very like nails it. She's a very uh, endearing character because mm -hmm. she's like, you know, single mom, she's, you know, just trying to deal with her current situation and like juggling three like, kids. she's freshly separated. Yeah, and still an open wound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, again it, it, like an autobiographical element for Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reminded me of Lost Boys. Um, I, yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good. Yeah, I thought about out. that while I was watching it, mm -hmm. uh, which we watched recently. Um, so I think it must be an 80s thing, right? Like that single parenthood. Like I think divorce, divorce is like really high in the up. 80s, and it yeah. was like very top of mind for like. So yeah, I think yeah. that that is it's drawing on that, you know, part of its uh, the historical context. Um, but she, yeah, she does a great job here. Yeah, it's also refreshing to see parents who aren't like domineering over their kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the kids do bad stuff, and she's like, "Hey, don't do that." Right. Like she's, <laughs> they're not like grounded. Right. They don't flip out, and like she yeah. discovers that they've been hiding an alien in her house for a week or however long it's been, and she like. It freaks out because it's an alien, but not like because they did this thing. Yeah. Right. And she like wants to help them and like protect the alien and like understands immediately that is important to her kids and therefore becomes important to her. She also yeah. believes Elliot too. Yeah. Like when Elliot said like, "Hey, I saw true. something in the garage." She's right. like, it's not like, "Shut up, kid." She's like, "Let's go investigate." Yeah. Like yeah. as a family. Yeah. And that that was like I think. That's true. They never do that. It's very like endearing about that character where she's like. She's got his back. Mm -hmm. She's it, not like a bad adult. Yeah, it's such a yeah. simple thing too, right? Like, and that, yeah, she just embraces it. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, I think seeing this movie has made me realize how deeply Stranger Things draws from ET as well as like general eighties stuff. Lot. 
Because yeah. <laughs> it's it feels like a one to one reproduction almost, except with like a horror bent. Because yeah. I mean, like they they there's a bunch of kids. They start out playing D and D, and they find a well, like one of them gets kidnapped. So it's slightly different, but like it's the same kind of idea. Right. An adventure um, ensues. Yeah. And yeah. it's also like kind of a world where adults are mostly absent. Yeah. And like the few adults that you do connect with are like they're trying to help you. Yeah. Like the sheriff guy in, in Stranger Things. Um, yeah. This Stranger Things is based on E.T. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like sure. more more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to yeah, draw from. And the, yeah. the kid who gets kidnapped is mother, uh, Winona Ryder's single mother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That is very similar. Um, I, I think that, I mean, it also just speaks to E.T.'s influence in general. Like, this is yeah. such a touchstone for so many individual people. It's like, this, for a lot of people, this is their childhood movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. the movie you've seen a million times when you were a kid, like, this is it. Um, but it also just showed up, like, that that figure, that character E.T., like, shows up in so many other things and was so marketed and it was ubiquitous. There, this is the biggest movie of all time until yes. Jurassic Park came out. Oh, was that it? Is yeah, that what beat it, it held out? the mantle until Jurassic Park. That's like twelve years, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I figured it would be one of the Star Wars movies, that like that Return of the Jedi or not Return of the, yeah Return of the Jedi would have been after this, right? No. Yeah. So Jedi came after. Yeah. Or Episode One. E. T. was still bigger. Wow. That's, movie until uh, I guess was, Episode One was after, was after Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. But okay. So yeah, Spielberg is on a. On a roll there for. I mean, there's a reason he directs. <laughs> and he can do anything he, he wants. Yeah, anything. I mean, like the entirety of '80s through 2000s is like Spielberg and James Cameron, right? Yeah, yeah, mostly Spielberg because James Cameron doesn't really work that often. Yeah. <laughs> like he takes huge breaks. Spielberg doesn't. Like he generates movies pretty. Like yes. every couple, two, three years, you can expect a Spielberg movie, um, and they're almost always good or at least interesting. Although, yeah, we talked about Ready Player One last week. Yeah, that last, last decade that, that, has not been kind. That's 2018 for you, am I right? That's the, not the one. <laughs> not the I, one Bridge of Spies also I missed. Which I liked. It was good. I liked it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you not see it? No. I, I like it as, like, him, it, it felt like him getting back to, like, his moralizing roots in a good way. Okay. Right? So I think what he is, like, delivering messages, he does it with enough grace that even if the message itself is like something really simple like you should help people if you can right like (laughs) that it still becomes affecting and effective because again he understands the cinematic language he knows how to do it visually he knows how to do it subtly he knows how to work with Tom Hanks really well yeah Um, and yeah, Bridge of Spice is good. It's worth watching. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and his style of movie just gives you that empathetic connection so strongly. He does it so well. Right, and, and I think that <clears throat> that he can do it across so many different genres. Yeah. Right, like that the same guy can make Jaws, which is half a horror movie. And but then, it's also a family movie. And, and yeah. also a family movie. Turn yeah. around and make like what is really just a straight kids movie, because that's how E.T. functions, and then make Jurassic Park, and make Munich, and make Schindler's List. Right, like that he can do all of this stuff and have it all be good and effective is astonishing. Right, like he. I forgot he did Schindler's List. He sure yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> and like they're all accessible movies. Like if there's a commonality between any of them, like none of them are necessarily challenging in the way that like an art house movie is challenging, but they're still complicated, right? And right. they and they still have a complexity to them and a richness to them that a, a, a normal audience member can grasp very immediately. Um, and that he does it in all these different categories of film is, is, is extraordinary, really extraordinary. 
Um, and, and he probably belongs in Best Director conversations much yeah. more often than he actually is in them. Yeah, he's like, such uh, a pop filmmaker. And that's obviously why he's not there. Yeah. But he should be, man. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. like so many fundamentals done well over and over and over again. Uh, like, we, we don't value consistency that highly. I mean, he knows how to point the camera well. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, with purpose. And to communicate a lot of information in a single shot. That's really hard to do. He's yeah. like a much friendlier Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a sense. Or a, a more marketable Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they almost certainly knew each other. Know Audience each other. friendly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's easy to forget how good he is. Um, especially after Ready Player One. But... <laughs> he's good. He's really, really good. He's got some duds. Yeah, everybody does. What was the Tom Hanks in the airport one? Terminal? The Terminal. terminal. Is that him too? Ooh, Spielberg makeup? Yeah. Wow, okay. I didn't see the Terminal. But. It's not good. Okay. Did he direct um, Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. So he, he can do, you know, high action spy movies, <laughs> adventure spy movies, I guess. Yeah. The period pieces, right? Man, that's a great movie. That's high on my Spielberg list too. Mm -hmm. Catch Me If You Can. That's, that, I mean, he also helped a lot with the Indiana Jones series, right? Yeah. Was, I think he has producer he, credits on those. Yeah. Um, like, he helped create the character, and mm -hmm. I'm sure he helped a lot more than that. But, yeah. Yep. <laughs> they're, they're good. He's talented. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on, on E.T. or Spielberg generally? Mm, no, not beyond what I've already said. Just extremely entertaining. Yeah. I, I can see why it would resonate so strongly with people who see it when they're young. A uh, little sad I didn't get that experience myself, but you know I get to understand what's going on with it now. That's true. Yeah, I mean, this movie was not a part of my childhood in the same way either, although I saw it when I was young for the first time. Um, but man, it still works. Yeah, and, it's, and I guess it's I love that really feeling good. of when the kids get to take over yeah. uh, and like they're still treated as competent. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that they, that they do in Stranger Things. It's something that I really enjoyed about Super 8. Which I didn't see. You didn't see that one? Okay. Oh, wait, wait, which one? Super 8? No, yeah, I didn't. I, that was like Abrams' like love letter to Spielberg. Yeah, it's essentially an Abrams version of E.T. Yeah. Um, no, I loved it. Okay. Though. Like, I, I thought, it, it's the same idea, but I thought it was just extremely endearing and very fun. The same idea is in It, too, the most recent It. Sure. And, and the older one, actually, too, where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, the kids, like, once they gain, like, agency, then they're able to, like, Right. Well, like it shows like how they like develop agency, and yeah. I think part of the reason that is compelling is that if you look at like some of the most casually oppressed members of society are children, <laughs> right? Like they have very little control over what their life is like. Yeah. Um, and so when you see them break out of that, even if you're not thinking of it in that context, it is powerful. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it just brings me back to those little moments when I had that feeling as a kid sure. of agency, right? Yeah. Like. I get dropped off at like a convention or something and I just have a whole day to myself mm -hmm. to do whatever I wanted, right? And it was such a good feeling. And these movies kind of trigger that feeling again and it's so satisfying. Yeah, because it was so rare, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so brief, like you know it was ending, right? In the yeah. same way that, you know, childhood is ending. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like this movie a lot too, like obviously. Right? Like what what is there really to go on and on about? about I, I wasn't sure I would like it. Because really? I, I, like I, again, as a kid, like kind of had an aversion to this movie. Mm -hmm. And it is still, like, a kid's movie, right? But it functions so well for yeah. not kids. But it's so well made that it's, like, hard not to to like it. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not necessarily, like, emotionally invested. And I, I, I was in a sense, but I'm not, you know, a child anymore either. Um, just appreciating it as craft, 
right? I think that any adult can look at this, that if you care about cinema at all, just appreciate how well made this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's worth it for that alone. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Just what a, yeah, what a wonderful work. Um, but in any event, we'll be back uh, in a moment with things we've seen. Uh, we'll see you then. And we're back with things we've seen. This is a segment where we talk about other things we've seen recently um, that are not part of the podcast. Uh, so, Wilson, what have you seen lately? Uh, I saw a movie called In This Corner of the World. Um, it was kind of a random Netflix selection. So it's on Netflix. So if, this, if what I described sounds good to you, go watch it on Netflix. Um, it is an anime. It came out in 2016 in Japan, was released in 2017 here. Netflix got it within the last few weeks, I, I think, because it was on the new list. Um, it takes place... At some, the opening like moments of the movie is you have like a hand-drawn hand uh, shot of Hiroshima, 1933, <laughs> is what it, it says. So it follows this young girl. Um, she opens the movie. She's eight years old. Her family is a bunch of seaweed farmers in Hiroshima in 1933. Follows her over the course of her young adulthood over the first like 30 minutes of the movie until she's married off when she's 18 and she moves in with her husband that she barely knows in the town, one town over from, from Hiroshima. So at this point it's 1943. Um, so a lot of what is going on during World War II is either backgrounded in this film or simply not mentioned at all. Um, but what you gradually get is like a slice of life story from this girl as she learns how to operate within this new family of hers, learns this husband that she, who is a member of the military and the Navy, um, learns about him and becomes close and it's these little family dramas. Meanwhile, you as the audience member realize and know that within a year, Hiroshima is going to be nuked, the site of one of the worst war crimes in the history of mankind. So you have this sense of dread throughout the film that the char- that you start feeling well before the characters do. And the characters start feeling it because they're at this coast town that is a military base that is being bombed and shot at and raided by Americans you know, throughout the last half of the movie. The interesting thing is that you're, you know exactly when Hiroshima is happening, you know exactly when Nagasaki is happening, and it is depicted in the film, but then the movie keeps going. right? So it becomes this film about not just the dread of war and how war affects you know normal everyday common folk you know living in the the site of of a wartime but also how they move on after that because the like emperor hirohito giving up his throne is a a throwaway line Mm -hmm. right like they don't care about the machinations of various armies moving around. They care about Hiroshima being bombed, but they also know that they're the ones that have to, that's not an end for them. That's something they have to continue living with afterwards. And the movie realizes that by just continuing to go forward after that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really fascinating movie. It, it, as a family drama, as a critique of war itself, and as just a study of how war affects common people, it is fascinating, but also as an example of animation. It is a, it is a beautiful movie. Most mm-hmm. of it is hand-drawn. 
um, you can hand drawn in such a way that you can see the brush strokes. Like it's oh, wow. it's that kind of really nice. handcrafted sense yeah. of a movie, which makes sense for this movie because it's these people that do work with their hands every day that are, that are living a working class lifestyle, and the form of the movie itself is it, it accentuates that. The lead character, um, Suzu, is also an artist. So you see, so there are many almost dream sequences of her, you know, painting things, and what she paints throughout the film become changes and becomes important to her development as a character. Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, I, I'm, it was a, I didn't know anything about it when I started watching it, and I'm really glad I did. I mostly watched it because the preview thing looked really nice, and it turns out the rest of the movie does too. Uh, I don't think you necessarily need to like anime to appreciate this movie. It is very grounded. It doesn't do you know high flying anime bullshit that a lot of other movies do. Um, <laughs> it, it's just I need to get well, anime is such a wide genre. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's not even really a genre. Right, it's a form more than a genre. Yeah. and um, this is. A, a very humanist tale um, with the, just full of vibrant characters and vibrant, vibrant images. Um, so I really, I, I loved it. I, I can't recommend it strongly enough. It's called In This Corner of the World. I mm. wish it had a better title, um, but that's what it's called. Um, and, and go watch it on Netflix. It's really, really good. Yeah. I'll have to so, check that out. You should, awesome. I, yeah, I, I'd be especially curious how you uh, respond to a question because the animation is just so specific um, and and high quality. It's just really, really excellent. Yeah, I'll um, put it on the list. Good. So uh, what did you see? Anything I just think it's actually loosely connected. Oh, okay. So I, I also, I've been watching this mini-series on Netflix um, called, I'm going to get the order wrong. I need to look at it. Okay. The order of the words in the title? Yes. Okay. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Okay, I have no Which idea what this is. Netflix's new is this about ramen? cooking show. That makes sense. <laughs> um... And there are four episodes, one dedicated to each of these things. Okay. Sulfat, acid, heat. Um, and it's, this woman is the host. She wrote, it's a show based on a cookbook um, hey. that she wrote uh, a year ago and came out. Um, she's a well-trained chef. Um, she wrote this cookbook. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful book. I actually have the book, too. Um, all the food is like hand illustrated oh, and there's like yeah. all these charts. Um, to her, these are like the four <laughs> elements of cooking and she like, she's very like invested in like teaching people that like these are the elements of cooking and like sure. this, these are the things that you combine to like make good food. And like how you control these things is like why food is good and if you don't control these things, that's why food is bad. Um, the show's very endearing. Um, the first episode is the fat episode. She goes to Italy. Um, and she goes and like, um, you get to see how olive oil is made and how pigs are carved out to make all the delicious like Italian meats. Um, and she, you know, meets people in Italy and, you know, just cooks with them. Um, the second episode, which is kind of loosely connects to okay. this anime, uh, she goes to a seaweed farm. And this is a salt episode and they farm seaweed um, to pull the salt off the seaweed, actually, and that's mm -hmm. how uh, mm. a lot of uh, salt in Japan is made. Um, that makes sense. So you get to see that process of like the seaweed being dried, and it crystallizes, and then they bring it into a factory and process this it. That's literally what happens in this movie. Yeah. Like, they do exactly that thing. Well, it's yeah. very interesting <laughs> yeah. connection then. Um, you also get to see how soy sauce is made, okay. which is a very interesting process. Um, what I like about the show is... And I would con con contrast this with uh, Chef's Table, which is another like very successful Netflix cooking show. 
Chef's Table is very much about like the genius cooking artists. Mm -hmm. um, it's also beautifully shot. And it's not always about that, but the, I think the general vibe of Chef's Table is like, this is, we're going to follow, each episode of Chef's Table is like, we have a new chef, we present their history, and then this is what they make currently. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the structure of a of Chef's Table episode. But it's always like food that's like very out of reach for the normal person. It's like very high-end restaurants. Mm -hmm. Not all episodes are that, but most are where it's like, you know, two Michelin, three Michelin starred restaurants. To be able to cook the things that they cook, you'd have to, you know, work a lifetime. And some chefs do that and don't even get to the point where the chefs on Chef's Table are, are like, doing the things that they do. Soft fat acid heat is, like, the opposite of that. Hmm. It's, like, very inviting. I think it, it shows how things are made in a way that it makes it, like, very approachable. And because it has this, like this uh, language of like, these are the four elements of cooking. It's like very grounded. And what she makes is like very grounded. Like they make focaccia and they just show her like kneading the bread mm -hmm. and they put salt water on the focaccia and that's like why it tastes salty. And it like, it feels like the things that they do in the show are things that like anybody could do. It's like a very accessible form of cooking. I like that about nice. the show. Right, because food is part of me, like this unifying thing. and it. Yeah. Sounds like it emphasizes that. Yeah. She's an interesting character, too, where she's, like, she's good at explaining, like, oh, this is what it tastes like, or this is, like, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And, like, the second, the salt episode, she makes, like, short ribs with, like, a friend of hers. Okay. And it's just, like, oh, yeah, like, I could I could do that. Like, <laughs> right. you see all the things that she does, and it's, like, not This complex. is achievable. Yeah. Right. And I think that was one of the things that people liked about the book was that it was, like, the, this is, like, how you think about cooking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like this. I think it's a very like for the people kind of show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it. Sounds good though. Um, yeah, and I've talked to other people who've seen it, and they all feel the same way. That like it makes you like want to cook. Okay. Like, like when you watch it. Cool. Yeah. All right, I'm into it. I'll put it on the list. Yeah. Nice. It's, I think it's only four episodes because it's the there's four things. Yeah. Four things, and they're each 45 minutes long, so it's like a very accessible show on a weekend or something. Series. Yeah. Yeah. So also Netflix. Interesting crossover with your choice. All right, good Netflix ad for this. Yeah, <laughs> tag at the end here. <laughs> well, there's go. only two places to watch media now. So, right, apparently, know. yeah, because yeah, uh, <laughs> Filmstruck is dead. I I've yeah. found that it's not that simple considering how I keep finding movies that aren't in the two things I subscribe to. Oh yeah, there's tons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is the I problem. Wish. This is the issue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if only we had Blockbuster. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but speaking of new movies, my pick. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna we're still in sci-fi month. This is our yes. third sci-fi movie. Right. So we've done sci-fi kids movie. We've done sci-fi action adventure movie. I want to do a more grounded adult movie. Um, Contact. Let's do Contact. Good old Jodie Foster. Um, so I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I think it still would hold up. I remember liking it a lot. I've seen it recently, and I okay. liked it. Now you get to watch it again. So yeah, it, <laughs> I guess good. if you want. Cool. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it with folks. It really does make a difference. Um, we appreciate every share, like, comment that we get, and uh, certainly do read them all. And join us next week for Contact. <laughs>